Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we're talking about a class that is equally loved and hated blessed and cursed, and just frankly has way too many deities to pray to. The Oracle. I'm Chad, and tonight I'm talking with Beth. Hello. David. Hey. And Sarah. Hi, y'all. Before we get into the Oracle, I did want to do something a little different this week. So, we've dealt with this before. But the Oracle actually has a new Iconic. And I kind of wanted to go into a deep dive. Get it? Because that's the name of the show. No. Uh, Anyway, uh, I wanted to go into a a deep dive. (laughs) Whatever I mean. Uh, Into the new Iconic. Korakai. So... We don't know too much about him yet. There was a piece of fiction that hit the blog. Uh, when was that? And there will be a link uh, down in the description of the podcast. July 14th is when this actually hit. And it's called In the Eye of the Storm, which is very iconic. Because Korakai in addition to being a Tengu, is a Tempest Oracle. Now, later we're going to be going into what all that means. So for now, I wanted to go over Tengu as a whole, since it was released in the Advanced Player's Guide, so not that long ago. And I wanted to go over that piece of fiction. So let's do that first. There are going to be some spoilers, uh, but I'll try to kind of stay away from, like, the ending or anything. Nothing groundbreaking, right? This was meant to be a bit of a teaser before everything came out. So, some of the themes that I really got off of this and kind of, like, identified with was this character who obviously cares about family right multiple times mentioned people he was close to uh in his family uh is obviously very social talking about a tavern uh his family's restaurant trading recipes with a elderly spice merchant but then the narrative kind of shifts, which I know, Sarah, uh, Sarah, you noticed that too, where then he's alone in the woods and his oracle ways have sort of brought him on an adventure alone. And it was really interesting. I really liked it. I liked that there was a definite dichotomy that he was dealing with, right? 
Like he's dealing with this tempest, literal tempest inside of him, while also who he wants to be. It was good. Or at least I thought it was. What did you guys think? I thought it was fun, especially getting getting to read a little bit about a Tengu. That was I liked hearing a little bit about the backstory of his family. Mm-hmm. I liked it. The part where he sort of described the, you know, it's you know one of the things about an oracle we'll get into, but sort of the conflict within him of all of the various deities or spirits or whatever he that he draws his power from. I wasn't a huge fan of the first like three paragraphs, but I'm more interested in in how this fits into like his larger story right so for me it's like a little bit of a teaser and i'm i like want to know more i want to have more context around this because one of the things that drives me nuts in stories is like when there's no character development so depending on how long korakai has been in oracle i would expect that he's been trying to work through some of it and like maybe gone to therapy and so there wouldn't be such a huge shift in the tone right that he would have have come to peace with himself and right you know maybe had a more connected narrative of course like this is just one very brief glimpse into his story so you know i can't expect all of that but i think i am i'm not not to sound overdone but like i'm tired of unresolved trauma just like being unresolved forever just hanging out there just hanging out and i i don't know how care like how you write a character that doesn't develop or work through that so i'm excited to see future works about korakai that's what i'll say yeah i can definitely definitely understand that and oh even in this uh short piece you can see like him taking the next step it it literally right like the last line in the uh piece reads rains and wind quenching the flames with each step korakai walked into the burning forest trembling no longer right mm-hmm. so finding strength where before there was none that's kind of interesting but I do agree. I want to know more. I want to see how that resolves as the character levels up, per se. This was written by uh, James Case, who is the organized play director, or developer, excuse me, and had only been with the company, I think, for like six months when this came out. So it was kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to link that introduction as well. So I want to talk about the Tengu because this is our first Tengu iconic. And they're kind of, I don't know, they're an odd ancestry. And I say this because they don't have a negative ability boost. Also, I am a little surprised 
that the one common trait that they have, besides low light vision, is sharp beak. And not the ability to glide. Which we heard about in the short. Now, there's a heritage that gives you the ability to glide. But I'm just surprised that that wasn't the basic one. Or not basic, but shared between all the Tengu heritages. So... You don't have a negative ability boost. Like I said, you get dexterity and free. So, pretty decent. You, they're, they're a medium-sized creature, everything that comes along with that. The heritages are kind of interesting. So, the one that we know Korakai isn't, the Jinxed Tengu. Which, I'm sorry, but if you're Jinxed Tengu and you're an oracle... Like, you've gotten the raw deal. Mm-hmm. Can we just do that? That's way too many curses for one person. That's what you think. Uh, yeah, you know what? i positive there's somebody out there doing it. I mean, I feel like that's like a fun exercise in roleplay, right? Where you're like, how many curses oh, can I take? It's definitely on my character list now. Yeah, you got bored, so you were like, all right, we're going hard mode. I don't I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> I think I actually hate it. I mean that's fair. Personally, I like the Skyborn Tengu because you take no fall damage ever. You just glide around like Mary F- Poppins. <laughs> Let me say that again. Uh you <laughs> glide around like Mary Poppins. And I feel there's like the nothing. The first one better. had more impact. It did. It did, but I didn't want to put a F-bomb right in the episode, so I wanted to give... And, like, right at the beginning, too. Easily to edit. That's that's what I wanted. You easily. get one, Beth. Come on. Beth, I mean, I, I know that we're going to do a lot of cursing this episode. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> David's back. <laughs> Love it. Out of the gate. We missed you. <laughs> Only a little bit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, there are some pretty cool ones. The Talon Tengu is probably my favorite. Do you want to be able to bite people's faces off? Pick a Tengu. Want to be able to also scratch their eyes out? Take a Talon Tengu. Or play a witch. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, right, right, wrong episode. Oh, sorry, oh. sorry. <laughs> that, was, that was a couple episodes back. I want to play a, a monk, Talon Tengu. You don't need weapons. You are the weapon. You're not wrong. You just get natural ones. You are the weapon. I mean, aren't all monks, though? <laughs> to be real. Uh, finally, I wanted to go over some of the cool Tengu feats. There's not a ton of them, uh, as they've only been in one book so far. But they are pretty great. Uh, there's one called Squawk. That's it. It's just called Squawk. That's and all. it's also, uh, the description is you let out an awkward squawk. <laughs> if I was a DM, I would 100% make my characters make the noise every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's terrible. Anyway, it is a reaction that you get. Uh, so that you can cover up social missteps or faux pas. 
So instead, you just squawk at people. Which wouldn't in itself be a social faux pas? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, you get you uh, uh, get a failure instead of a critical failure. But it's still a weird feat, I'm not going to lie. All creatures that witnessed you squawk are temporarily immune for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can only do that trick huh. once on me. Hmm. Now I know. Oh, you're doing that on purpose. Huh. I'm going to say I like eat fortune. I think that's an interesting uh, reaction. What, you just As eat gold all the time? Is that what that means? As someone tries to twist fate, you consume the interference. The triggering effect is disrupted. So, uh, it allows you to, quote-unquote, eat or uh, redirect a fortune or misfortune effect. Yes. So, I think that would include Gnome's ability. How often would you want to do this to someone? I mean... It- does an N- will NPCs be doing this? Or I mean, are you just going to get... be screwing up fellow players? Yeah, halflings luck. I was wrong. It's halflings, not gnomes. Uh, I would assume NPCs. Because okay. you wouldn't, like, I could see a, a player character taking it and and, like, taking advantage of it. But it's very situational at best. But I mean, also, that's most ancestry feats as it is. They're all kind of situational, in my opinion. Nothing that none of them are like so powerful. They're going to break the bank. Literally. Break it open. Rob it. None of them are going to do that for you. Eat the fortune in there. (laughs) I do like that at level 17, you can take the great Tengu form. You become a large winged oni. You get enlarge and fly cast on you. Lasts for five minutes. You can fly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, eventually. They're pretty cool. I don't know. What do you guys think of the Tengu? Um, I'm a little biased because I've played a Kenku in D&D as my first character. So I love it. However, once again, biased. I also I just love weird. the squawk feet. See, <laughs> that squawk feet. I, I don't know how to feel about that. I will absolutely awkwardly squawk in the middle of a game. <laughs> I don't care. I'll just do it for fun. I'm not surprised by that, honestly. <laughs> Can Tengu's talk? Because I know that, like, Kenku's. Yeah, Kenku couldn't. Shouldn't be able to. But not sure. And it says they know common and tengu as languages. Yes. You get common and tengu. Right. So it seems like you can. What kind of race can only mimic other than mimic? Kenkus. In D&D. That's weird. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it because I would just mimic other people's words occasionally. And then otherwise just... (laughs) hate that imagine imagine being the eternal little brother character where you just say (laughs) whatever the other players say but in a slightly different voice i hate it 
I love it. I hate it. Well, that concludes today's podcast, y'all. <laughs> Beth hates all of us, you. so she's gonna sign off. Finally did Never it. Never do we it this Beth. again. Dice don't die, but we will when Beth murders us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That that will in fact happen. All right. Well, enough of Tengu goodness. Enough of the squawk feet, because that's just Oof. Anyway, let's talk Oracle. I'm not ready. What do you mean you're not ready? Whose fault is that? <laughs> Sounds like a it's personal me. problem. It's too much. The class is too much. Well, too late. You have to be ready because we're talking about the war. Okay. So when we first start about a class, what do we always start with? The fantasy of playing a class. Playing fantasy. that. So when we talk about the like historical context or where in media this type of thing fits in, I almost always think of fortune tellers or seers. Uh, in addition to, you know, actual Oracle. One of the things that I always think about, and I, I, because it literally is Oracle, but the ancient Greeks, I almost always think of Greeks first, whenever I think about an Oracle. Uh, I always think about the Oracle of Delphi, which I don't know why. I have no good reason other than I like it shares the name, but I always think about uh in three hundred when they go to talk to the oracle, and there's the woman like in the gauze and like the creepy old dudes. Mm-hmm. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Y- yes, I was. I was. I was frankly hoping we wouldn't talk about that today, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Just saying, that's what I always think about. I always think about, like, ancient Greeks, kind of like female seers and priestesses of Apollo. I'm the only one, huh? Gotcha. I I, I feel like there are a lot of different oracles portrayed in media, but I feel like they're all almost portrayed the same way. Which is like the oracles of Delphi, right? Where they're, you know, or there's, you know, a trio of sisters and they do. We did talk about that in the witch episode too. Right. And uh, they do fortune telling, but it's kind of mysterious and they give cryptic wisdom that may or may not be helpful, but later you find out that it actually was. It's just that they're so scatterbrained, right? Or, you know, they have a curse or an affliction where they can't straight out tell you what's going on. So I always think about the difference between an oracle and a witch because these these fortune tellers and these seers, right? Very kind of witchy vibes as well. Mm-hmm. I always think of the difference is religion. Like it comes down to religion. Really? Yeah, in my brain. With an oracle, there is a organized religion typically behind it. Now, we'll find in the oracle here that is not the case anymore. But it is divine magic. See, I would almost say that with oracles, 
it's almost as if they themselves have like stepped into the divine realm. So like they have a way to either see into the divine realm or channel it. Whereas witches have like a specific entry point. Mm -hmm. Right. So like witches have patrons Mm -hmm. and oracles are just kind of like, well, I showed up here. Like, yes, hello, I'm a mortal, but also I can now see the flow of time, so I'm here. Yeah, I could definitely see that. There is always that, like, fortune teller in the woods kind of vibe that fits really well with the, like, oracle and witch. And I think you're right. I think it comes down to a witch is more of a willing participant, where an oracle is like, well... This is how I was born. I've been hearing these voices all my life. Had to kind of cope with it. Yeah. That is an interesting, like, I don't know, dichotomy or interesting take on it I hadn't thought of. Because I think that also plays into, you know, like the curse aspect, right? Where oracles are often cursed. So like Cassandra who always had 100% accurate predictions, but nobody believed her. Mm-hmm. Whereas witches, since they're about a step removed from it, right? They like willingly entered in and they're counting on their patron to protect them. They don't have to worry about like the negative drawbacks so much. Except for their eternal soul. Who needs that? I'm sorry. All right, any other, like, historical context forms of media we want to mention? Uh, Well, if we're talking about forms of media, then I guess the Jedi and the Sith would be a decent one of that. You see them as oracles? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about being able to see into the future, they can do that. Uh, Some of the masters can. Uh, and if we're looking at the curse part of it, if you're going towards the Sith, the dark side, you're going a little crazy and you're also tending to lose a lot of life in the process. Your mm-hmm. life is going to be cut much shorter than usual. That's only if you train a good enough apprentice that they kill you. Exactly. If you're not good enough, then you'll go far. Yeah. You'll live a long time. You're just not going to get that really good power. Yeah, honestly, I had never thought about the Jedi-Sith comparison to oracles. I'm going to have to think about that more. That is an interesting comparison. Well, anyway, let's move on to the oracle itself. This is a pretty fun class. So, when we're talking about the basics... You're a charisma divine caster. That is your, like, base shtick. Because as of right now, there are only charisma-based divine caster. Well, that's not actually true anymore. I want to say that, but we actually have the sorcerer and the witch who can pick. Mm-hmm. A witch's intelligence, sorcerer's charisma. So you can ignore the, the witch. But technically... The sorcerer can also be a charisma-based divine cast. Huh. Something that I hadn't... I had forgotten. 
You are trained in light armor. So one of the few class, uh, cluster classes that get armor. Cool. You're, you're automatically trained in religion. And then depending on your mystery, which we'll get into that in a second. And you get uh, eight hit points plus your constitution fire. So not beefy per se, but more hit points than the wizard gets. Boo. Sorry, <laughs> had to uh had to to say it. And and still, they get simple weapons. Yeah, they do. Double boo. Hating on wizards. Hey, just because you picked a bad class, David. <laughs> Oof. Wow. You guys fighting up in here. Them so you words. You done? Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh so you do get all your divine spellcasting goodness. So that means, you know, you're going to get all of your spell slots at level 20 or and level 19, you'll get your 10th. The fun thing about them is their mystery. This is what makes them unique. So oracles are divine power that are not from a specific divine being. Instead, it is a potent concept or something that deities are able to channel through you. So the current mysteries that we have, we're going to break it down. We're going to break a couple of them down, uh, but they are lengthy. So just keep that in mind. Ancestors, battle, bones, cosmos, flames, life, Lore and Tempest. Those are the current mysteries that we have. So, what does it mean to have a mystery? We're going to take the Bones mystery and kind of use that as a outline. So, your benefit uh, for having the Bones mystery is that you can leverage life and death itself. So each day you get to pick whether or not you align yourself to positive energy or negative energy. So are you going to heal or siphon? You get the medicine skill, you get a cantrip, so you got chill touch, and then you get these revelation spells. And remember that because we're going to come back to it. But essentially, these are what you're spending your focus points on. So your revelation spells are your focus spells. You get it an initial one and then an advanced and a greater. So for bones, you get siphon soul, armor of bones. And then for your greater, you get uh, the level six spell claim undead. Those are mine now. Those corpses, mine. I touched them. They're mine. I touched them first. I licked them. You can't have them anymore. Ew, gross. Oh, <laughs> Imagine just running around with a Sharpie being like, I wrote my name on it. It's mine now. <laughs> Only magically is how this reads. Well, that's just the sigil cantrip. Right. <laughs> of course. 
finally a good use for that spell. It's uh, it's the only good use for it. That's mine. <laughs> Imagine walking into a bar and using the sigil cantrip to like put your name on a chair before somebody else sits in it and they sit in it and you're like, whoa, 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 <laughs> that's my chair. Literally, that's my chair. Like that's my magical it has, name. It has right. my name on it. It's mine. Don't you even try, Jerry. Beautiful. So one of the cool things about mysteries is that you do get access to cleric domain. So the related domains are death and undeath. Shocker. Now, the next thing you get is very unique to the Oracle. In fact, they're, this is the unique, th- really unique thing about them, is they have a curse. So for bones, you get curse of living death. Now, these curses are activated when you cast your revelation spells. So the more you're using your revelation spells and your focus points and stuff, the more your curse progresses. So there are three stages. So for bones, because we're using this one as an example, I'm not, like I said, I am not reading all of these because the uh, oracle would take forever for me to go through all of them. I feel like, so if I can do simple addition, which bear with me, I might not be able to. There's eight. There's eight different mysteries to choose from, which I feel like is way more than other classes get to choose from. Yes. I can also do basic addition. High five, Sarah. I'm just saying. No, I'm actually proud of myself. (laughs) Don't judge me. Anyway. Yeah, but I think they have to because they have negatives associated with them. Like tangible negatives associated with with them. Therefore, they, they kind of need more options. Just so they can be like, I'm going to pick what kind of negative benefit I want. So you're not really choosing the positive effects for your character. <laughs> you're choosing what the heck's going to hurt your character down the road. Maybe. I don't know. If it was me, probably. Like, which negative effect do I want to deal with for the next, you know, however long I'm playing this character? I would say that if I was choosing, it would just be considering the general aesthetic of whatever curse you're picking, right? So, like, Curse of the Living Dead, your body is slowly decaying even though you're alive, right? So you start to be look more and more like a corpse. Mm-hmm. Curse of the Skies Call, which is the cosmos, you have your head in the clouds and not just figuratively your body is drawn towards the heavens making you lighter and less substantial your eyes glow and your hair and clothing float and drift around you so it's like very ethereal and so like okay do you kind of want to look like a zombie do you kind of want to look like an ethereal mystery if you take battle do you want to smell faintly of steel and blood I guess that's a bonus. There is, once you progress, there are more negatives, right? Like, even for the Curse of the Living Death, 
like right i'm i'm just saying that you're drained all the time that like if i were considering it i would be like all right do i want to look like a zombie do i always want to smell smell faintly like i just got out of battle do i want to look like i'm float Mm -hmm. like i would consider the aesthetics as which curse you want to take that's what i would consider i'm not saying it's a good choice to consider that no, and I think that that's what Paizo is going for. It's just I, like, what do you want your character to look like? Yeah, I think that's that's probably normal. That That is what most players would look at. But for me, I, I know I'm always looking at, like, okay, what am I going to have to deal with? Like, what negatives am I going to have to remember all the freaking time? You know, I'm going to have to. And in this case, it's I take half as much healing as I normally would with Curse of the Living Dead. This is after I cast my revelation spell for the first time that day until tomorrow. I'm taking half healing. And when I uh, am affected under my moderate curse, I'm drained all the time. Now, I do gain resistance to poison and diseases and stuff, but that healing is rough. So I just know for me, the draw is not, hey, cool, my hair floats up to the sky and that's amazing. The reason I wouldn't take this class is, oh, I got a track like when I cast my first revelation spell of the day. I personally really uh, I like the, the the drawback of the curse um, because I, like like you had mentioned it's really the only class that has sort of a you know mm-hmm. a, a cost to their magic which is you know a, a theme that I I see a lot in fantasy mm-hmm. you know, whether it's whether it's just you know your magic leaves you physically exhausted. Or you know, just the amount of study it takes, whatever to to do it, is 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 its own cost. Like this, literally, just it wears on you in some, you know, physical manner. May I submit mutagenists? Hmm. No. Okay, withdrawn. <laughs> they're not casters. I know they're not casters, but I, I for me, that's the only other class slash subclass that comes to mind when you talk about drawbacks. True. That is true. And mutagenists have hella drawbacks. Right. So that that is fair. You you can mention it. Even though they're not casters, there definitely is a cost. And if you ask me, not always worth it. Right. And that's just a subclass. It's not like an entire class. No, but I definitely get where you're coming from. Uh, and the only thing, the only other thing I can think of is, uh, like, Barbarian's Raids drops their AC, but that's that's not much to deal with at higher levels. It does not seem to be stopping our Barbarian. <laughs> not at all. She, she live in the high life. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. The curse is not my favorite function of the class. But I definitely get its narrative appeal. I do like that they, in the text, were like, we know you're going to try to metagame this and you can't do it. <laughs> Remove curse. It doesn't work. 
Yeah, they got real specific about that. But yeah, after looking at the forums, they, they should have gotten <laughs> as specific as they did. Um, maybe even more so. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, they know people are going to try to metagame this. And they're like, well, here is how we intend it. Like, the spirit of the class. They're trying to infuse that pretty heavily in my I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, Pathfinder and D&D have probably the least amount of, um, actually players that I've ever met. I I don't think they even exist here. Wow. Right? Let me introduce you to the forest. Actually, don't go there. It's a dark, dark place. For anyone who couldn't tell, that was heavy sarcasm. Being facetious. Oh, I missed uh, it. <laughs> I, I will actually say the most um actually I've ever seen in gaming, Vampire the Masquerade. Really? Yep. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we'll I. Be I def- after the podcast. <laughs> Deep dives unplugged. Beth tells the horrible <laughs> stories that have happened to her in the past. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. I can't wait to record like unrated deep dives. It's going to be its own hit series. It's just going to be <laughs> people ranting about things. I mean, not opposed to it. Uh, anyway, I, I do like how later levels give you ways of like increasing your focus point and allowing you to mitigate your curses. Like at level a level eleven, your curse progresses to its um, major effect rather than overwhelming you. Um, and then you can refocus, uh, reducing your curse to its minor effect. So if you cast a revelation spell while you're under the effects of a major curse, you are overwhelmed. So this just helps mitigate that, and it increases, and then uh, increases your focus points. And then at level c- seventeen, you get the same thing, but for extreme. Cur- uh, when you're affected by your extreme curse, you become doomed to doomed. Actually, any better? Is that a benefit? So n- that's a penalty, but it allows you to keep casting your focus spells instead oh. of them overwhelming you and you pass out. Like, it just lets you keep going. They've got a couple so, interesting uh, sort of meta magic feats that I hadn't seen before either. Um, uh, before we move on to feats, oh. I did oh. want to talk about their capstone ability. So that is where they get clarity and they get access to their temple. That's it. <laughs> That's all. They get, they get two, they get to pick two level 10 spells. But they get one spell slot for it a day. I know. That's that what right? all the it's it's what all of the spell casters get. Okay. I just I just always have to, to mention the capstone ability, even though in casters it's really boring. The exact same thing. Anyway, now we can talk about feet. <laughs> you want you want you wanna do anything before I jump in? No, you go ahead. Cool. No, cool. she'll just interrupt you in the middle. Absolutely. Yep, yep that's that, what it, I do. Um, so anyway. <laughs> I was going to go with interrupting cow. Moo. But that didn't work. Go ahead. 
For real uh, this time, I won't interrupt you. Some... <laughs> Hold on, I gotta collect myself. <laughs> That's fair. <sighs> okay. Wait, are you ready now? Yeah, I'm good. So there's a level 16 feat called a Portentous Spell, and it allows you to cast a two-action spell at, like after this, and you give a circumstance penalty to the uh, like the the checks that the enemy would make, like for their uh, reflex save or whatever. Uh, I don't think there was a equivalent thing for like a sorcerer or a wizard along those lines. And then hmm. uh, there's a divine effusion. It's a level 18 feet. Which you is... like those high level ones, don't you? Yeah, the, these are, these are interesting because it's 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 kind of where the difference seems to come in as far as the casting goes. Uh, twice per day, you can cast a spell after you've run out of spell slots of the appropriate spell level. So you just have more spell slots, kind of. And they they can be any spell. It just has to be two different slots. Yes. Huh. That actually is kind of cool. Are there any prerequisites on that? Uh, no. Holy crud, that's... That's actually... I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty awesome. Oh, and then since... Because they're spontaneous casters, right? Uh, let me look. I think so. Yeah, so, so there's, there's no... There's no preparation there. You just mm-hmm. pick, two, pick two more from your divine spell list. That's pretty cool. I was a little surprised at how many of the feats I was really into. Like, sure, there's your standard metamagic feats. <laughs> Beth's into feet. What? <laughs> I feel like this is the second time we've made this joke, but it is a joke that does not grow old. I hate you guys so much. Anyway. Hey, I just to bring up We're the past. Sexy, leave me alone. Just. Just to bring up the past, you are the one who in a previous episode said, my husband plays a swashbuckler, and then like five minutes later we're like, this swashbuckler is a really horny man. And we were all like, Beth. Beth. Leave me alone. We didn't need to know about that. Yes, you did. (laughs) Just because you have to live with it doesn't mean the rest of us have to live with it. Well, now you do. All right, anyway, moving on. I didn't like any of the Oracle feats. That is all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, the medical magic ones are great because they always are. But, like, meh. Yeah, I didn't like a whole lot of the feats either just because... There's not a lot of them. There's not a lot, and they all just seemed kind of expected. One of the things that I did want to talk about was Ancestral Touch, which uh, you touch a creature and force them to see and feel the ancestors surrounding you. So this is with the Ancestral uh, Mystery. And all I can think of is like Mulan and Mushu, where he's like translating and basically like you touch somebody else and you're like, listen to how goddamn annoying my relatives are. And you just like, they take... 1d4 mental damage from how annoying your ancestors are. 
I, I will also say I thought the exact same thing. The yeah. Oracle, like, I don't know, really reminded me of Mulan. Yeah, definitely. It was it was fun. Th- there's another feat in there I just looked at. A debilitating dichotomy. Yeah. And it's one of those where, hey, here's this feat, but now scroll 4,000 pages down to find the spell. But the spell is that, and it's a focus spell. You and the target each take 9d6 mental damage with a basic will save. That's so much mental damage for, like, a spell that you also take. (laughs) Okay, so we're gonna fight the boss. I'm gonna die, but it'll be okay. Because he'll die. So it's well, a great sacrifice. So there's like one caveat, and it's you get a degree of success one better than you rolled for your saving throw. Great, so you can't critically fail. Awesome. Right. <laughs> Oof. The only saving grace. It's that you can't crit great. fail. Fantastic. Still gonna take a boatload of mental damage. Yeah. No, that sounds awful. I don't know if you guys can tell my opinion on this class or not. I, am I making it apparent enough? Probably. Well, I read the it. notes. <laughs> my notes on this class are terrible. Yeah, that, they're that. so bad. The outro, the outro just says Beth. So what do we think of the Oracle question mark? I'm not a huge fan. And then I put a frowny face next to it. <laughs> <laughs> Good notes, guys. Why are you wearing my dirty body? <laughs> This is rude. Debilitating I mean, dichotomy gonna... is just what you cast when you don't want to play an oracle anymore. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! You're like, oh, I'm done with this. Guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed run through Ashka and then I'm gonna play an oracle for about two sessions and then I'm gonna cast debilitating dichotomy. <laughs> oh man. Like, and move on to a swashbuckler. <laughs> It, if if you if you really really wanted to go out with a bang, you just also take out the most annoying party member with you. Ooh yes. <laughs> Poor Sunny. Rip, we oh. hardly knew ye. Oh, I love that you guys think it's Sunny. <laughs> oh, it's clearly Mini Night. <laughs> Mini Knight, who we were like, should he come along with us? And then we never heard from him again. No, he's your uh, steward, remember? That's right. I forgot. We haven't talked to him in like, I don't know, four or five sessions. No, and we Not that he actually can actually talk with him. Hey, he's not in the Mwangi, all right? He's not. He's taking care of your fort for you while he's learning English from Bramble. Or not Bramble. Common. Well, common, yes. But what's her name? Marble? Yes. Did you say marble? Yes. Because it's not (laughs) marble. (laughs) Warble. But we're going with it. It's marble. It's marble now. It's been marble before, too. I don't remember. I feel like it was Jessie who said it, because Jessie can never remember anybody's names, and she said marble. It's warble. (laughs) Y'all. Look. Shut up. Uh, You're off the rails. Let's get back on track. 
See, David's here and we're off the rails. So stop blaming me when I get off the rails and David's not here being like, David's not here to corral us. We're off the rails. We're off oh the rails God. anyway. Yeah. Hold up. Wrong. What was what was it during the witch episode? Y'all went off the rails with Corgi talk. So yes. no, David's not keeping us on the rails here either. <laughs> he just tries to divert us back to the correct path. You got to spend a little time off the rails. <laughs> oh, it's what what the uh, fun part is, I guess. For real. Well, before we talk about ancestry options, I did want to take a look at some of the other focus spells because there are some some decent ones. So we already mentioned ancestral touch and debilitating dichotomy which by the way is the only fourth level focus spell but there is also a spray of stars that you get with the mystery cosmos oracles essentially get magic there's brain drain it just sounds like a bad kids show from the 80s dude it definitely does more mental damage. They really like that mental damage, don't they? Oh, yeah. And when you heighten that one, it gives even more mental damage. Battlefield Persistence is an interesting spell. You are difficult to remove from battle. You get plus two to save against incapacitation effect. Okay. <laughs> and it is a uh, reaction. So that's kind of cool. There aren't many of those. But yeah, I mean, they're all, all of the focus spells are really linked to whatever your theme is. So like, Armor of Bones is what we mentioned for the Bones Oracle. Guess what? You have a bunch of bones. Well, actually, it's... it's <laughs> yeah. I think we all bit. have a bunch of bones. <laughs> yeah. oh, I hope God. so. <laughs> uh, so you actually get an exoskeleton. You ossify your physical form, mimicking the durability of bone. So you get resistance three to cold, electricity, fire, piercing, and slashing. Imagine having an inside skeleton and an outside skeleton. Armor of bones. You'd be twice as spoopy. All right. Any other uh, feats or focus spells that you want to mention? M- Moonlight bridge. You get what to a- make. You get to make a bridge. <laughs> They- Some oracles mm. just want to be civil engineers. Leave them alone. <laughs> They're just so lame. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, boy. I- <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> gonna gonna keep keep those feelings way down and until we we talk about oh, it. The, the the oracle will not be the most useful member of your party. <laughs> they may be the most interesting, but they will not be the most useful. Mm. Yeah, we could be wrong about that. You know what? You could have a bunch of rogues, and that's it—just like I mean, three rogues and an oracle. They're and rogues, your rogues are, great. are all terrible. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Anyway, uh, what ancestry options fit really hell? Uh, uh, fit really hell. <laughs> I am a mess we're tonight. Killing right. it. <laughs> Let me start over. What ancestry options fit really nicely? Goblin. 
oracles. <laughs> you couldn't even let me finish, huh? <laughs> I think we all knew it was coming. Uh, I was expecting you to let me finish, yes. I'm so Terrible. sorry. You're mean. No, you're fine. Why do you think that? Uh, one, because goblins fit every class very nicely. And two, I I really feel like goblins embody chaos very well. And so I think having a goblin that also embodies like the chaos of listening to like multiple ethereal like supernatural forces like really plays into it super nicely. Mhm. Also I'm biased. Yeah, that. Really. <clears throat> just like maybe just a little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely that last one. It's fine. So I picked two. I picked the Catfolk because they get both Dexterity and Charisma. Also, Skyrim exists. Or, well, (laughs) just the idea of a Catfolk Oracle is just great. I love it. And then I picked Orc. And you might say... Why, Beth? Why did you pick Orc? Why, Beth? Why did you pick Orc? Beth! <laughs> why? Because they're awesome! They don't Poor K. Poor K, Beth. <laughs> <sighs> this is my life, listeners. This is what I have to do. Um, <clears throat> because they don't get an ability penalty. So you get strength and a free bonus. Plus, I really feel like there are some neat ancestry options that you can pick. Uh, or heritage options, I mean. Like, a hold-scarred orc. That's really cool. Or, like, an orc from the Badlands being an oracle. I don't know, I just... I love the aesthetic of it. And if I was gonna have to play a oracle anyway, those are what I would pick. It might as well be an orc oracle. An orc. An oracle. An oracle. This is great. No. no. <laughs> this is terrible. An an orc oracle named York. York the orc oracle. <laughs> we did it. No. Oh. That's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> We, we no. broke well, that. folks. Dice don't die. Bye. <laughs> no, because we still have to talk about the original Oracle. Here's what I'm going to say about Pathfinder First Edition Oracle. It was very similar. Like this is one of the classes that I think they did the best one to one. Uh, comparison from first edition to second edition with enough new and enough changes to make it uh, innovative, right? So you still had the curse. uh, You still had your mysteries that you had to pick. There were obviously a lot more of them. Uh, They would have to pick a deity for their chosen mystery. So for Bones, you had to pick Norgerber, Norgerber, Gerberger. Yeah. 
Phrasma or Ur- Urgothoa, which Urgothoa all the way. But you had to pick one. And that is something that's very different. So in Pathfinder 2, it's a little more abstract, which is how they did the witch, too. And I'm okay with that. Not in any way upset. So for the, since we're using bones as the kind of uh, comparison point, you got kind of the same stuff. So you got armor of bone. This one, instead of you getting an exoskeleton, you literally conjure armor made out of bone. Fun. You got essentially the same domains. And then, oh, you also got soul siphon. And then your curses were not tied to your mystery. So they were separate. So you could pick the bone mystery, but then pick the blackened curse. So the blackened curse, your hands and forearms were blackened as if your arms had been plunged into fire and you took a negative four penalty on attack roll. And then at 10th level, that would advance. Uh, and 15th level. So very similar, right? Like your curse gets worse as you level up, but also you get more advantage. I really think that in terms of like the revelations, your mystery, your curses. So their domains were called orisons. So that that's the only real big difference. I mean, honestly, it's a really good upgrade from Pathfinder 1, but you can definitely tell like they drew heavy inspiration from first. I would think this is the best example of them converting a class as is to second edition. Do you know sort of the timeline of when the Oracle was brought into Pat, uh, Pathfinder 1? I, I wonder if it was one of the later classes and then they sort of had to tinker with it less. No, not really, because it came out in the Advanced Player's Guide, and the Advanced Player's Guide came out uh, I th- uh, I don't remember exactly when it came out. Let me find that really quick. The core guide, Pathfinder 1, first edition, came out August 2009. The advanced player's guide came out at exactly a year after that, 2010. So pretty much the same timeline that they did for the player's guide and the advanced player's guide for second edition a year later. So really not that long. Or, like, not that much additional time is what I mean. So, I don't know. What do you guys think of the Oracle? I think it will be a frustrating class to play in order to keep your character alive. But the roleplay possibilities just sound like a whole lot of fun. That's what I would keep in mind with it. So yeah. y'all remember when we did the Swashbuckler episode and I was like, make all of the One Piece characters challenge 2020? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bones Oracle, but you're Brooke from One Piece. <laughs> so. With a Swashbuckler dedication. With a Swashbuckler dedication. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's good. 
Um, also, I thought about it a little bit, and I think Robin would be a witch because her power is mainly to make hands sprout from things. And we talked about all of the terrifying, <laughs> like, witch capabilities of making things into other That's body parts. A wall of flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Robin is definitely a witch with a swashbuckler dedication. Brooke is a bones oracle with a swashbuckler dedication. I'm going to figure all of these out somehow. Yeah, this is now a One Piece podcast. I don't know what to do. This is uh, not... Hey, I refrained for a while about talking about One Piece, okay? Y'all should be proud yeah. of me. You got so everybody uh, comfortable first. Yeah. You gotta lull them into a false sense of security and then hit them with the One Piece. So they don't run <laughs> screaming from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Because they can't get it out of their ears. Oh. I want that to be an episode. What? Every, every One Piece character. I... A Pathfinder character. Start working, Sarah. Because I ain't doing it. I'll put it on my to-do list. They all have the swashbuckler dedication. Some of oh. them are swashbucklers, but yep. a lot of them just have swashbuckler dedications. Oh. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you write it. We'll Beth, do it for the April Fool's Day episode. Beth promised me an episode. <laughs> I personally think that it takes a very special person to play the Oracle. Somebody who's really passionate about it, who's really into uh, making choices with cost. And for that person, the Oracle is perfect. I'm not that person. She said it takes someone very special to play the Oracle. Goodbye, Sonny. I'm going to make an Oracle. It does take somebody very special. Sacrifice Sonny to the Oracle gods. <laughs> there you go. I just am not a huge fan. Poor Sonny. Sacrifice Sonny to the bone gods. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even have any bones. No. He will now. Now. <laughs> Sunny, Sunny goes from having no bones to having two <laughs> sets of bones <laughs> <laughs> to make up for it. A bone cursed leshy that has no bones. <laughs> That's why the gods are so angry. They were. Do- <laughs> Guys, that's been dice. Don't die. Hi. <laughs> Oh, also, I can't even chat. Oh, just, just take us out. Wait, wait, wait. Player character. No, no, no. <laughs> humans, humans make good everything. <laughs> take us out, Chad. Oh God, I can't. I can't stop laughing. Guys, I'm crying. <laughs> Me too. I can't see my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, you've been cursed. <laughs> well, at least Chad has bones. For <laughs> <laughs> <Poor> now. <sighs> well, folks, I hope you had fun listening to us talk about this crazy new class. Let us know what you think of the Oracle, and tell us all about the characters you're going to go out and make with it. Anyhow, we're out of here for tonight. We'll talk to you all again next time, but for now, remember, dice don't die. But oracles do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
and that other unfortunate soul they cast it on. Yes. <laughs> Night, y'all. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.